Discover the tips and strategies that will help you achieve your retirement goals. I'm your host, James Canole, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you retire well. It all starts right here on Ready for Retirement. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Ready for Retirement. I'm your host, James Canole. Today's episode, we are going to talk about when do you start drawing down cash from your portfolio. So we know and we've talked in different episodes about having a mix of assets. You have some stocks, you have some bonds, you have some cash, maybe you have some other stuff. And you ideally are following some withdrawal rule to understand where should you pull money from first. And today's specific question is when is it time to actually tap into the cash portion of your drawdown? So this comes from a listener question. The listener's name is Drew. Drew, thank you for submitting this question. Andrew says this. He says, hello, I've been listening to you for a while now and I really enjoy your perspective. I expect to retire or probably start working more part-time sometime in the next few years. I'm fairly comfortable with my investments in diversification. My question is concerning cash. I have enough set aside in cash for a full year of expenses, a buffer to spend from in case of a market downturn, as the experts would say. However, I'm also a firm believer in the advice of don't try to time the market. That being the case, how do you distinguish between a market downturn and the new normal? If I'm going to rebalance my portfolio every six months or every three months or whatever time frame you want, how do I decide when I want to sell securities to rebalance and hold a year's buffer of cash as opposed to spending down my cash because I'm in a down market? Hopefully that makes sense to you. Drew. Well, Drew, thank you for that question. I do believe that makes sense. I'm not sure necessarily what the new normal means, but I think what you're saying is at what point do I start dipping into the cash I have in my portfolio or off to the side of my portfolio to prevent myself from having to sell securities when they're down. So I hope that's what you're getting at because that's what I'm going to be addressing in today's episode. Real quick reminder, for those of you who haven't already done so, be sure to check us out on YouTube where you can find this podcast and audio version, but also additional videos throughout the week to make sure that you are best preparing yourself for retirement and making sure that you get the most life out of your money. So let's jump into the question for today. When do you start spending down cash in your portfolio? Before we jump right into that, there's a couple of things that I want to clarify because some people look at this differently. Number one, my first question is how are you defining cash? If your portfolio, for example, is all stocks and then on the side, probably at your bank, you have one year of cash, whatever that represents for you, then you truly do just have one year of cash. Now on the flip side, if for example, maybe you have a 60-40 portfolio, so 60% stocks, 40% bonds, and in addition to that, you have one year of cash in your bank, then in my eyes, you have more than just one year of cash. I'd lump that 40%, at least partially, as cash. So first step is clarify what does cash mean in your portfolio, because that definition is going to determine how you apply this framework of when do you start living on cash. I start with that because the second point I want to make is understand that your portfolio is meant to be lived on. Sounds obvious, but why do I say that? Well, I say that because going back to my first point, if all of your portfolio is in stocks and you have one years of cash outside of those stocks, that makes sense. But for some people that have a portfolio of stocks and bonds and some cash, but then they also have cash at their bank and they think of the two separately, it's hard to think of the two separately. You should have your portfolio in some mix of assets. Let's assume there are some bonds or there are some cash or there is some cash in there. 
what your portfolio is meant to be lived on. And when there's things like the 4% rule or the Guyton's guardrails approach to understanding how much can you safely pull from your portfolio, it's done under the assumption that every single year you're living on this portfolio, not just living on cash. Now, that being said, I like the concept of having some outside funds to live on, but you have to tie that into how is the rest of your portfolio invested. If you're treating that totally separate from your portfolio and your portfolio also has cash or bonds or some stable investments, you might be having some redundancy in terms of how much conservative investments you have in your portfolio. But understand that your portfolio is meant to be lived on because even in up markets or down markets or everything in between, the goal of a portfolio that can support your needs throughout retirement isn't to say that you only have a portfolio that can be lived on when things are good. It's to say, how do you design a portfolio How do you design a withdrawal strategy? How do you understand what your withdrawal rate should be so that regardless of whether the market's up or down, that portfolio can support your needs? Now, granted, you should ideally be taking funds from different parts of your portfolio, depending on what it's doing, but your portfolio is meant to be lived on. And I say this because one of the hardest transitions people make in retirement or one of the hardest transitions for them to make is to start living on their portfolio. You spent so many years putting money into your portfolio, it's very difficult sometimes to start taking money out, especially in years when markets are going down. We're so trained to say put money in the market when the market's declining. When the market's declining and you're retired and you're living on your money, that's a difficult thing to do. However, assuming that you have the right portfolio strategy, if your portfolio is declining, when your portfolio is declining, you should still be able to make withdrawals if you're invested the right way and if you understand what a sustainable withdrawal rate is for your portfolio. The next point is to address Drew's question directly. At what point do you start drawing down cash? Now, if the market drops 5%, does that tell me, okay, James, time to start taking cash from my portfolio instead of stocks? Is it 10%? Is it 20%? Is it 40%? What is the basis or what is the time frame that we start pulling out cash? Well, Couple points. If you have a strategy for your portfolio, meaning you have an intentional amount allocated to cash, to bonds, to stocks, because you know exactly what your needs or approximately even what your needs are from your portfolio, if you have that, and if you're rebalancing on a regular basis, then part of this process is just going to be automatic. Let's assume that you have an 80 15 5 portfolio. stocks, 15% bonds, 5% cash because you're retired and that's what meets your needs both today and in the future. Well, if you're drawing that down, let's assume you're drawing the cash down and stocks or bonds are doing their different thing. As you rebalance, whether that's a calendar rebalance, say every six months or 12 months, or it's a threshold rebalance of once stocks or bonds or cash make up too much or too little of your portfolio, well, by default, you're constantly bringing your portfolio back to that 80, 15, 5 allocation which means by default, there's always cash there for you to live on, which allows you to meet your withdrawal needs without needing to worry about at what point do I dip into cash if you're just meeting or if you're just implementing standard rebalancing rules. Now let's assume you don't have an intentional strategy. Maybe all of your money is in a target date fund, or maybe you're saying, you know what, I've got half stocks, half bonds, like the 4% rule talked about. I'm not advocating for either of those, but if you just have something like that and you're just wondering, At what point do I stop pulling money from my portfolio and live on some of the side cash like Drew is talking about? Well, to me, I would choose a number between 20 and 25%. Why? Well, the real answer is it's somewhat arbitrary. 
And we have to remember, this is not an exact science. There is no exact science to portfolio management. Sometimes we try to do things to protect against the market, and sometimes we do things to try to protect against ourselves. Where if portfolio management was a precise science, where if you dialed the knobs up and down just perfectly and had a bit of everything and knew exactly what was going to happen, portfolio management would be so easy. The hard part is you can't control with perfect certainty. You have thresholds and kind of bands that you can work within. You have expectations that you can set. We know exactly how things have performed historically. So you can get pretty darn close and you can make a really great portfolio. But at the end of the day, you don't know exactly what's going to happen. So at 20 to 25%, it's somewhat arbitrary. But as I mentioned, when we look at how do we do things to protect against the market and how do we do things to protect against ourselves, that 20 to 25% is a little bit of a mix of both. Let's assume the market's down 25%. Well, that might trigger, based upon this assumed rule of once it's down 25%, you start living on cash, that you start dipping into cash. So you're no longer pulling from the stock portion of your portfolio, you're pulling from cash. What does that do? It protects against the market. If the market keeps dropping, you're not having to sell your stock investments when they're down 25% or more. Now, why isn't that number higher? Let's say, why isn't it 10%? Well, if it was 10%, on average, the market's going to drop by more than 10% every single year. So you're just constantly going back and forth between cash and stocks and cash and stocks. And at what point do you start? And at what point do you stop? Again, there's no science to that because we don't know exactly what's going to happen in the future. So it's kind of choosing a threshold below which you don't want to have to sell stocks. Now, I also mentioned that sometimes we do things to protect against ourselves. If 25% sounds like too drastic of a drop, and if you're listening to that and say, oh my gosh, I never wanted my portfolio to drop that much before I stop uh, drawing from stocks and start drawing from cash, well then choose a number like 20% or 15% even. We have to understand that yes, the market is a risk, and if we're selling in a really, really steep down market, that could be bad. And that's why I said a starting threshold of 25%. But also keep in mind, that many times as investors, we are our own worst enemies. And if you say, I just emotionally don't have an enemy to see my portfolio drop 20, 25% and keep drawing from it before I go to cash, set that threshold higher. Do something that you're comfortable with so that you have that peace of mind of knowing, okay, if my portfolio drops below 15%, for example, I'm not going to have to sell my stocks in Drew's case, at least for a year, because it sounds like he has 12 months of cash set aside. But when you start doing that, just make sure the number's not so high that you're constantly flipping between stocks and bonds and cash. Now, as I mentioned, ideally you have a strategy for your portfolio. So there's an intentional amount allocated to cash, to bonds, to stocks. There's a rebalance frequency or rebalance strategy that's designed to continue to have cash withdrawal needs, but also continue to have your portfolio allocated in the right way. That's option number one, that's the best option to me. But number two, if you don't have that, then choosing a number between 20 and 25% is that right balance between protecting from the worst of it, you know, protecting from having to sell stocks when down over 25%, but also not having the threshold so low or so high, I guess I should say here, that you're constantly switching between stocks and bonds and cash and don't know really when you should switch and how long you should be doing that for. Now, the follow-up question to this, I'm sure a lot of people are thinking is, well, James, what happens if you do this, but 12 months isn't enough? You know, the market hasn't fully recovered in 12 months. Well, the market might not cover recover in 12 months from this. So a couple standpoints or a couple points from that is number one, I do typically recommend having more than a year of cash set aside. 
But that's why I go back to my first question or my first point that I made is how are you defining cash? Is cash literally cash in the bank or is cash cash in the bank plus cash or bonds that you have in your portfolio? I would look at both of those or all of those sources to truly define what cash represents. Number two, the second point that I would make is the goal isn't necessarily to have enough cash to write out the downturn and have the market recover again. Now, I shouldn't say that's not the goal. That would be a wonderful goal. And if that can happen, great. But the real goal is to ease some of the pressure on your portfolio when there is a market downturn. If the market drops and you start living on cash and you run out of cash before it fully recovers, that's still a positive thing. It's much better than the alternative of continuing to draw down your stocks even as the market is dropping. So the goal here, because we don't know exactly how long the next downturn will last or any downturn will last, is put a sufficient amount in cash or stable investments to be okay for a couple to few years, understanding fully that bear markets do last over two years, over three years, many times. So as that's the case, just know that it's not the worst thing in the world if you do have to sell stocks when they're down. You just don't want to have to do that for the entirety of the bear market. If you can be past the worst of it, or if you can give your portfolio a year or two or three of reprieve as the market's falling, that is a victory. Even if the market hasn't fully recovered, you spared your portfolio from having to work overdrive and having to sell at the worst of the downturn or the worst of the bear market. And understand that this could look very different based upon when you retire. So going back to what if the market doesn't recover by the time I need it to, or what if there's multiple bear markets, or what if there's no bear markets? For the first several years of retirement. Well, think of that cash, think of that stable investment as a buffer. Think of it as like the emergency fund to your portfolio. Because if we look at someone who retired in 2010, for example, well, they didn't really need to tap in to their emergency fund or their stable reserves for the next 10 plus years. The market, for the most part, just went up. Yes, there was months and quarters where it went down, even some years where it went down slightly, but overall, it just went up. Now compare that to someone who retired in the year 2000. The first 10 years of their retirement, there were several times they needed to dip into cash. For a 2000 retiree in 2000, 2001, and 2002, the U.S. market went down, down, and down, meaning ideally they had some cash or stable investments to live on. The market then recovered for a few short years, and 2008 came around and whacked them again, and the market was down 50 plus percent from peak to trough. So depending on the time frame of when you're going to retire, we have this cash allocation there, not because we can predict exactly when there's going to be bear markets, but because we know that bear markets are common and bear markets exist and we need to be in a position to withstand them when they come. And even if we don't have enough cash or stable investments to fully see it through, ideally we do, but even if we didn't, just having cash there, just having stable investments there allows your portfolio to have less pressure on it while it does wait for that recovery to begin. The next point I want to make with this is you may actually get to the point where you need a lower percentage of your portfolio in cash and bonds, meaning this isn't a static thing. If you look at needing one year or three years or five years in stable investments, whatever it is for your particular scenario or situation, that's not going to be the same all the way throughout retirement. Let's look at an example of where that might play out. Let's assume you're 65 years old and you retire. Your only income source is Social Security outside of your investments, but you're going to delay that until age 70 and you have a million dollars in your portfolio. Well, if you start by taking 5% withdrawals from your portfolio, that's 50000 per year. 
Now, if you say, I want to have enough and stable investments to be okay, if there's a very long bear market, let's put five years in cash and stable investments. What that looks like is $50,000 per year times five years. You need $250,000 of your portfolio invested in something that's not in the stock market. So the stock market drops and it stays down for quite a while. You're going to have something to live on. Well, if we look at that, $250,000 divided by a million is 25%. So 75% of your portfolio could be in stock investments and 25% might be in more stable investments like cash and bonds at least to start. Now, let's assume that for the next five years, you get average returns from your portfolio. And let's also assume that Social Security kicks in at age 70 and that you receive $40,000 per year. Now, let's fast forward to 70 and assume that your portfolio is $1.2 million. But now, instead of needing $50,000 per year from it, you only need $10,000 per year from it because, again, Social Security has kicked in and that's giving you the other $40,000. I am neglecting inflation here. That's kind of on purpose. I'm just keeping this super simple. But as we look at it, you started with a portfolio of a million dollars per year and you needed 50,000 from it. Well, five years later, you have a $1.2 million portfolio and you only need 10,000 from it. So not only has your portfolio gone up, but your need has gone down. So now as you look at this, a little less than 1% per year is actually needed from your portfolio. So you could look at this a couple different ways. You could say, okay, now I only need 4 or 5% of my portfolio in conservative or stable investments because if the market drops, I only need, call it 1% per year for my portfolio, so I have that in cash. Or you could look at it and say, you know what, I only need 1% per year, and as I look at my stock portfolio, it's generating 2 to 3% per year in dividends. What that tells me is I don't need to be as concerned with the fluctuations of the stock market. I'm going to get 2 to 3% per year just in cash, which is two to three times as much as I really need from my portfolio. So in this case, you don't technically need anything in stocks or bonds because the cash dividend from your portfolio could fully cover any need you have from it. So your need, your quote unquote need for cash in your portfolio went from 25% at the beginning of retirement to 0%, five years into retirement. Now, that's only one side of the equation. You need to ask yourself, how comfortable would you be with an all-stock portfolio in retirement? It can absolutely work. I see a lot of people with it. I have a lot of clients with it. But you need to make sure that you have the emotional fortitude, the ability to stick it through if and when the market drops. Otherwise, having a 100% portfolio is not going to be great for you if it causes you to panic and to sell anytime the market's down big. Now, the last point here is understand that your portfolio if invested appropriately, should also be a cash generating machine. So as we talk for how much cash should you even have, you know, we talked about what's the threshold for when you start pulling money from cash instead of pulling it from stocks. Ideally, if you have the right rebalancing approach and if you have the right allocation that's intentionally designed for your specific situation, you don't really need to think about what's the trigger for how far the market drops. But if you don't have that, then somewhere probably between 20 to 25% makes the most sense. But the last point here that I want to make is, as I said, your portfolio, don't just view it as stocks, cash, and bonds. When we view it as that, we just say, okay, what's the performance of stocks? What's the performance of bonds? Cash is just staying stable, maybe getting a bit of interest. But if you assume maybe a million-dollar portfolio that's invested in some mix of stocks and bonds, even outside of just understanding what the price change has been in that, so if stocks gone up and down, you should probably have two, three, four percent just of dividends and interest being generated from that portfolio. So as you look at that, 
This cash, now we can't depend on 100% of that because as the market goes up and down, companies could cut their dividends. Different things could happen with interest rates in the market. But as we look at that, it's not just the cash that we have already in our portfolio. It's also good to factor in what cash can we expect. Stocks, they pay cash dividends. Most of them do at least. Bonds, they pay interest, assuming the company's still solvent or the government's still solvent. So those are cash payments that we can think through and plan through, and we can use that cash for a combination of living expenses, so to support our needs even if the market's going down, or two, portfolio reinvestment or rebalance. So when you're retired and as cash dividends or interest payments are being made, how do you allocate some of those to living expenses and allocate some of those to portfolio reinvestment and rebalancing to make sure that you're implementing the best possible strategy for you? So that is it for today. I hope that was helpful really as we understand how do we think about cash in our portfolio and not just cash in the bank, but also including cash assets within our portfolio. How do we think about additional cash inflows that comes from things like dividends, payments from interest, other things of that nature. And then finally, what are the things that we look at to understand when do we start dipping into that cash as opposed to living on some of our stock bond investments, et cetera. So thank you for that question, Drew. That was a good question. Thank you, as always, for everyone who's listening, and I'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ready for Retirement podcast. If you're looking to work with a financial advisor that cares deeply about helping you get the most out of life with your money, head over to our website at rootfinancialpartners.com and click start here. One of our advisors would love the opportunity to speak with you. You can also find the show notes for today's episode on our website, along with other great content that will help you to create a wonderful retirement. And finally, if you have a question that you'd like for me to answer in a future episode, then from our website, click on the Learn tab. Scroll down just a bit on that page and then click Submit a Question to submit a question that I will answer in a future episode. Again, that can all be found at rootfinancialpartners.com. Thanks as always for listening, and I'll see you next time.